What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a good friend of mine from Clubhouse. I've been bringing some people on because it's been a fantastic tool to meet people and connect and find out who aligns with you and who aligns with your mission. And if they're, you know, their mission aligns with yours as well. So Barbara Majeski is our guest today. She's dedicated to living life with purpose and approaching all specs, aspects of living with confidence. And after recovering from her divorce and stage three cancer, the curator of the good life was born. Barbara, welcome to the What Are You Made Of show. I love it. C-Rock, so good to see you and be here today with your audience. Yeah, it's about time. And I think I'll take full responsibility for this because I don't know why I didn't ask you sooner. I've heard your story so many times and every time I still still am like gripped by it. And I always look for like, okay, what did she share this time that she didn't share last time? So I can't wait for you to share this with the audience today. Uh, you are actually a model for what this show's about. And not only you're a model as well, you could be a model if you wanted to, but you're a model for the What Do You Made Of show. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to start the show the same way every time, Barbara. Uh, what is the question is, what are you made of? Wow. I'm definitely made of a lot of grit. I will say that I'm a descendant of Holocaust survivors and I draw upon their survivorship as if it's my own. I'm really proud of them and being part of their heritage. So I feel like I am built tough and I'm very proud of it. And I draw upon that over and over again. So I hope that lands. <laughs> yeah, That's no. I love that. And then, and it's obviously uh, something that you've become more and more aware of throughout your life and through the things you've been through. But before we get into that stuff, I want to ask you a question because see, I was just talking to my team about this the other day. We're in the mortgage space too. I have a mortgage division that I run. I have a little P&L, I say little, but it's pretty big, under a master company called Nations Lending. And in this environment right now, inventory is lower, rates are going up. People's income is not where it used to be over the last couple of years because we had the greatest years ever. And yeah. I'm talking to them about the difficulties you're going through and the challenges you're facing, but then also to reflect on your ancestors. And you just mentioned this, like thinking about what they went through and thinking about the fact that some of them survived, some of them didn't, but the ones that survived and, and had us, our parents, our grandparents, what have you, they survived a lot more difficult time, I think, than what we have access to now. So when you spoke that you know, right now about your ancestors, like that just, that just resonated with me with the message that I was sharing with my, my team. And we talk about performance a lot. And part of performance is reflecting in the past and understanding that it, we're all so worried about surviving. We're all so worried about, but we're going to survive anyway. Look what happened in the past. So can you speak to that a little bit about how you've reflected on that from the things that you've gone through? Absolutely. I feel that it's, it needs to be said that tough times don't last and tough people do. And everything is cyclical. So everything is going to go full thing. There's going to be really great times 
and there's going to be some challenging times and everything has a way of working its way back. But if you get emotional during the highs and you think it's just going to crank all the time, you are going to crash hard. And if you think in the lows, it's never going to get better, you are going to be, it's like, um, you're going to manifest your own destiny. So you've got to really steady, you got to steady the steady your pace, steady your emotional cadence, and really understand that tough times don't last, but how we handle the tough times is all we can do. We can only handle how we respond to them, not necessarily a lot of extrinsic factors. And when we take inventory of what we can control, we can make better decisions as opposed to like being on our heels and not, you know, not forward thinking. The matter is just really taking authority over the the situation that, that we're in. And when I say take authority, take authority over your own emotional response to extrinsic, extrinsic factor. And yes, interest rates are going up. Inventory is low. It's like, where's the real estate market going? You know, but you just, you have to take all this in and make your best decisions. And you're never going to be 100% all the time. You've just got to act from your highest state of consciousness at that moment and not come from a fear-based, emotional, emotionally charged track. Like that, you'll make all yeah. the wrong decisions in that track. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, and we're, yeah. We're and we're going to get into that higher state of consciousness and manifestation in a second because I heard you the other day. I think it was yesterday talking about that that you figured that out. I think I've been experiencing some massive results from that recently. So we'll get into that in a second. So I want to hear your story. I want to share your story to the audience. I've heard it. And when you're doing this, I want you to kind of, if you could, reflect on the thoughts that went through your head as you were going through there. Because when we go through tough times, we do sometimes it creeps in that oh man, this is the end, or this is like. This is it. And in your case with stage three cancer, you could have been going through that, of course, but even in business, people feel that way. And they're like, what if we go broke? And what if we have to do this? What if we, and all these thoughts start going through their head. So if you could kind of speak to that a little bit as you're going through it. So tell us your story though. Like, where did you grow up and uh, what was it like being a kid? So I grew up, I'm one of two sets of twins, which everyone's like, wow, back in the 70s. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes. I have a twin brother. I was an only child for four minutes. It was amazing. But twins run in our family. My mother is a triplet. And I, listen, I have three kids. God gives you a good handle. And he was like, one at a time and a big age difference. But my, um, we also have a genetic condition known as Fragile X which my younger brother inherited. And he has, it's a form of neurological impairment, much like Down syndrome. Um, But growing up, the second set of twins on the first, the second were like my baby dolls. I was like, they brought home these dolls for me to play at the hospital. What was the age difference between the the twins? Three years. Almost since we're on April, they're May, three years, all Tauruses. Uh, Yeah. So I grew up with, with, you know, three brothers and Steven just always, I always took care of him. And when I was, this is a, there's an important, there's a real takeaway here because two things that I have that have like hit me hard recently. So in seventh, eighth grade, my parents lost everything. The wheels completely fell off and all four of us had to be separated all across the United States. Half of us moved in with my uncle in California and the half were in New Jersey with my mother and her cousin. Now I was with the team out in California. And at one point, all four of us were out there with my dad and my uncle living in a studio apartment, living in a studio apartment. There's a fold out couch, one bathroom, five dudes, and this girl. And 
I'm going into eighth grade. It is a terrible time. And it's just my, and I just remember like, dad, where do we go from here? And he said to me, he goes, listen, why don't you draw your dream house and also draw architectural plans of how you would lay out the rooms and start dreaming really big because that's what we're going to do. We're around California. You come out to California to land gold. And so I drew this giant brick house with a circular driveway. And I drew four bedrooms. I'm one of four kids. And I drew four bedrooms, each with adjoining Jack and Jill bathrooms. I think I must have saw it at somebody's house or something. And I thought (laughs) it was the coolest thing. And so flash forward this week, it hit me. I live in a brick house with a circular driveway. And all four kids' bathrooms have Jack and Jill adjoining bathrooms. All their bedrooms. I'm like, oh, my God. And now I always talk about the power of the pen and how magical it is. Like you got to get to get the first step from dreams into manifestation is writing things down, but back to California when the the wheels are falling off. So it's crazy town out there. And we kept getting shuffled around the four of us. Right. And at one point I'm out there with the book, those two, blah, 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 blah. But the, the configuration that's never separated is me and my special need, my brother with special needs, Stephen. And we're there about a year and a half and I'm heading into ninth grade now. And I don't want to, I don't want to do high school in California. I'm like, this sucks. I do not want to live out here. I'm a Jersey girl. I don't belong here. I want to go back and live in New Jersey. And I got, so I told my dad, we get to LAX and I'm taking Steven with me because we're a package deal. Like I would never leave Steven. Steven would never leave me. Mm-hmm. Well, C-Rock, he wants nothing to do with my shenanigans. And he is like literally just like a full on. Who Steven was? Steven wanted nothing. To, he was like having a meltdown in this century. <laughs> he is, we're at LAX and he is like flat out on the floor of LAX <laughs> on the carpet. This is why I don't need a vaccine because, you know, he was on the guard. I was, Horrible, horrible. And I'm like, oh my God. So we're trying to get him through the airport to get to the gate. He's like, a- he was trying nuts. to be, he was trying to be a movie star. He wasn't cool with that. Leaving he, LA. was, you, <laughs> he won Academy Awards. I mean, it was so bad. So we get to the gate, the, the plane boards and my dad pulls me aside. He goes, Barbara, he's not going to get on the plane. You have to board this plane. And the flight attendant comes over and she's like, you two are the last to board. We are leaving with, with or without you. And I was in such terror because I, I was so, my dad's like, I'll stay with him. And I was like, no, Stephen comes with me. My dad's like, I'm, you know, last I checked, I'm the father. And I'm like, no, 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 I'll take care of Stephen. So I get on the floor on LAX again, no inoculations needed for the rest of my life on the floor. And I'm like, Stephen, I cannot leave you. I cannot leave you. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure that you're okay. Please follow me onto this plane. And by the grace of God, he gets up and we walk onto the plane and it's a red eye back from LAX to, to and by the way, Stephen, after this full on, you know, Emmy award winning drama scene falls asleep. He's like, like it never happened. I'm like, and, but I see rock and filled with all the feels rage, love, knowingness, like clarity. I was like, I'm going to make so much damn money like that. You know, that grit that like, oh, like such like rage, love, rage, love, clarity, purpose, intention, all the feels. And I plotted my life on that flight back. I said, I was going to make so much damn money and I would never fail him. I will 
I was like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. You'll never, we'll never live like this again. And it was like, I plotted my life and I, I understood what I had to do. Like I understood the assignment. I'm like, I am assigned to take care of Steven. And that's what has led me and continues to be my moral compass North of just knowing. And it's been C-Rock. It is helped me. It's the greatest gift I've been ever given. It's given me no quit, no backdoor. Like at any time I've always had to figure it out. Like it wasn't like I had a choice to yeah, be, to yeah. make money or not. I had, and people like, Oh, I want to be successful. I want to save the world. I wanted to make money. Like I want to be raw and really unadulterated about my intentions. When I got out into the workforce, I was like, I have to make money. I have to make sick, ridiculous money. And I don't know how, but I need to learn how to make money. And that is, I, that's really my story. I think I've been very blessed to have had such a driving purpose that it's led me time and time again to opportunities and um, people that have helped me really build a great net worth. And I've been able to give back and advocate for him. And um, that's kind of where you're meeting me today. I'm a so, massive, ma- I'm a massive mass manifester is what I am. Yeah. There's gotta be something in us that's seated really deep for us to drive like you do. And like I do, and that was it for you. And, uh, when did you start making money? Like, like good money. How old were so, you? You know what? C-Rock, everyone has it in them. And I think that sometimes we get in our own way. Everyone is made of massive potential and it's not the darkness that scares us. It's the light that shines within us that we know is so obscenely powerful, but narratives and false limiting beliefs have really derailed so many people. Everyone I meet is so uniquely gifted and talented, but plagued with so many people, plagued with insecurity that inhibits them from truly living out their, their massive potential. And so to answer your question, because I just, I wanted to tap in that I never, I've never met anyone that isn't of massive potential. I just haven't. Everybody like wows me. I'm like, wow, that's damn impressive in in their own dharma, their own unique, amazing gifts. Mm -hmm. And when I got out of college, so I got out of college, $30,000 in debt because I was checking the box, you know, go to college, get a good job, make money. Like that whole bullshit narrative, I was hook, line and sinker go to college, get a job, get, make money. Like da, 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 da. then I got into the, started interviewing and I was getting offered jobs. And it was like, you can make $35,000 a year. And if you do well, you can get a $5,000 bonus. And I'm like, what? I'm like, <laughs> what, so what if I outwork everyone? Like, how can I make more money? I was like, that's not, a, that's not enough. Like I was like, how do I, and nobody was going to offer me any more money unless I was commission-based. You want to make money, you have to sing for your supper. Like that's where the money was. Go where the money is. If you want to be somebody's employee and you want a job and you want to get paid, I didn't want to get paid. I wanted to make money. And there is a huge difference that I started learning very, very quickly. Anyway, I ended up in a direct sales company that was a startup. And the key to getting into a good startup is number one, it had a great bones, like the concept was smart. I was like, this makes sense. That was number one. Number two, and had tremendous upward mobility because it was a mess. Whereas other people looked at the fact that we were working out of warehouses and we were like flying by the seat of our pants. We were working obscene hours and we were like all driving 
my, I was drawing my grandmother's Grand Prix. Like, I mean, <laughs> we were all just, and everyone else was like, this is shady. And I was like, no, this is not shady. This is opportunity because other people saw the lack of glamour in our office space. I saw opportunity. And it's like that story of the two salesmen that go, go to the island and they're shoe salesmen. And yep. the first guy calls back and he's like, nobody wears shoes on this island. I'm heading home. And the second guy calls back and he's like, oh my God, nobody, nobody wears, wears shoes. shoes on that. <laughs> oh <my laughs> yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Fell out the place. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's entrepreneur. That's a true entrepreneur of seeing the pain point and being like, no, that's actually opportunity in disguise. So, and the other thing is that with getting in a, the right startup is I was with the right people. I was with people that were broke as a joke. <laughs> That's not the point. The point was they had vision and they had high character and character isn't something that is talked about. Character is something that is an actionable, that is actionable. And uh, Ben Stock says it, your actions speak so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. So if you find yep. a startup and you want to build something, you have to be with right-minded individuals that have high integrity and strong character. And that and only comes yeah. through their actions. Watch their actions. And I found this guy, John, and I remember him firing our top salesperson in the office at that time, who was literally killing it in the field because she stole pillows from a hotel room. And I was like, oh my God, you just fired the top salesperson. He goes, I am not hiring salespeople. I'm building an empire and I cannot build empires with people that lack moral integrity. And that was when I was like, oh, I'm in the right, I'm in the right, I'm with the right, I'm with the <laughs> right bunch of yahoos. And Love we it. were, we're all a bunch of yahoos. We are, we're not yahoos no more, no more. What, what, what we, were you selling? What were you selling? Um, we went business to business selling telecom. The phones had just been deregulated. Oh, yeah, so yeah. AT&T was trying to get a little more. So we were representing AT&T. It wasn't a reseller or anything like that. We were actually representing AT&T trying to get their piece of the pie. That company's huge now, by the way. And so Not you started the sales company. <laughs> yeah. And then so you started, you started, uh, let's here, let me have, let me have a drink too. Coffee with Barbara. <laughs> Lahayam, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee talk, wasn't that a show? Coffee talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so then you started making money and you started crushing it. And then, how did you get out of that business? And how did you know it was time to get out of that business? So, I did not initially started making money. My my first year tax returns read twelve, either twelve or fourteen thousand dollars. It was so bad, and my boyfriend at the time laughed at me, and he was like, "You work." 12, 14 hours a day, six days a week. You have no health insurance. You have no, you know, reimbursement for cars. When I would go train people in the field, I had to split my profits and every day was zero straight commission, cold call sales. He had left for like too long. I, and I was like really hurt. And I still remember that feeling of like, I don't have to do this. I can go get a real job, you know, because everyone's telling me to get a real job, you know, benefits mm -hmm. and salary. But the truth is, anytime I wanted to pull away, I had this like, no, it's not, do not leave this. I I don't know. I have these small things, C Rock, and everybody has it. Do you know that we're the only species species that when we sense danger, we don't initially respond? And the best example is a woman getting onto an elevator. If she senses danger, if she feels she's going to insult somebody or hurt somebody's feelings, she'll get on anyway. And it's like, we just, we just dismiss, but that's all I can say is when I, when everyone else was quitting, 
I just was like, I think this has bones. This has bones. So ultimately, what and the the vision which made sense to me was like, if we can prove to AT and T that we can bring them better customers than telemarketing, junk mail, radio, TV, billboards, because we went business to business, targeting small business owners, and they only paid us per customer acquisition. Like the logic, I love this company. Like the logic spoke to me. I was like, oh my god, they don't have to cover. It just makes sense. I won't go yeah. into it because then I'm going to sell you on like being a distributor. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in a market yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what and the thought was and what stuck to my ribs was the vision made sense. And I could be part of that growth. I was like, I can help develop this. And it was like, if not only can we expand in the, the space of deregulation of phone service, but energy was deregulating, gas, electric. Then we started getting like internet companies were like, will you go door to door and pitch this? I did a trash company once where we went door to door, literally residential door to door representing. I would be like, hey, I'm here to talk trash. So, but the concept was if I could learn the fundamentals of door to door sales, but then teach it and scale sales teams, I could scale sales teams. Like the logic was there. Yeah. Now, a lot, a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's so smart. But who's willing to go door to door? Very few people. This yeah. girl was like, I'll do anything for a short period of time. I will grind it out and I will. And I did that. And then I taught people where I think when I, I switched gears and I started to do exceptionally well is I stopped caring about my success. My success was a byproduct of helping others. And when I figured that out, like Zig Ziglar says it all the time, like you can have anything you want if you help other people get what they want. But sometimes that's just like jargon. But when you really do internalize it and then like gear shift and like clutch down and like, you know what, I'm going to sit down with this person. And all I care about is what is in their best interest. When I started to develop teams and my scale, my offices across any time, I was like, what's in this person's best interest? How can I like, uh, that's how I would go into conversations. And sometimes, honestly, C-Rock, I would be tough. I was so like, not mean, but I would be like, this is where the rubber meets the road. You're either going to, you know, shit or get off the pot. We, you know, this is, you're either, I would do a fire sale. You're either going to sell or you're fired. But I would come at a point of like, I'm not holding, I'm not doing this because I don't like you, or this is about me. Right, I'm right. doing this because you're not putting food on the table. And I know you're better than this. And I'm that, yep. I'm that trainer that's letting you smoke cigarettes and have pizza because I want you to be my friend. I don't need friends. I need to make, I need to teach people how to make money. You want to be my, like, you want to see lifelong friends. And let me tell you, C-Rock, these people, my teams that I've scaled, they, we are thick as damn thieves. I, I mean, they've known me since I was 20 years old. I'm 40, I'm, I'll be 49 in April. Thick as thieves because I always thought what's in their best interest. And I was like, I got to teach them how to make money. It's my, I got to teach, I got to teach them and sitting on the couch eating bonbons is not going to get them strong. I, yeah. And so I was really hard at times. Are you still doing that now? I um, have a small piece of the pie. Um, I do, but I don't, how much time I do, do you spend in it? Do you spend much time in it now? No, not at oh. all. I don't oh, do okay. anything. Okay. Not at all. I, every once in a while I'll run a call I know them more personally now, like these are, yeah. but I do have a piece of the action to say the least. And uh, anyway, the company is now the largest outsourced direct sales company in North America. So oh, awesome. them there, those awesome. apples. So then, okay. So I, I know we're running short. How, how are you doing on time? Cause there's more I want to get to. Do you have, do you have a few more minutes? 
Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay, okay, because yeah, I want to make I got so much here. I got to get to. And you and you and you uh you have so such a good story, so I gotta get to it. So then take me further along. You got married, had kids, and then and then you dealt with cancer and a divorce at similar times, right? Like 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 pretty close together. So bad. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. And cancer doesn't care what you're going through, right? So yeah, my marriage had just imploded in a dumpster fire, blaze of glory. And I'm really recalibrating because I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready to be a single mother of three kids. And I get handed a stage three cancer diagnosis. And I'm telling you, C-Rock, my friends were like, oh oh, oh my God, because you're like, no, no. Like, and then you're like, oh, I was like, oh, they found a little cancer. Maybe it's stage one. And they're like, no, it's a stage three. And I'm like, you must, and I was like thinking, maybe we can negotiate. Maybe I want a one, you want a three, we'll negotiate yeah, on two. Yeah, two. And they're like, you're, you're not funny. I'm like, no, I really am. But okay. So yeah. anyway, I so remember, remember as you're telling this story and you probably have told this over and over again. So, but I want you to think also like, tell us like the thoughts that went through your head to relate to other people that are listening as far as like some people think, ah, oh, man, this is the end or, you know, or, or what, what went through your head as you were doing that too? Yeah. It, the the mm. big breakthrough. So I had 12 rounds of chemo, six months. And again, I'm a descendant of Holocaust survivors. So I think I'm tough as nails. And around the ninth infusion, C-Rock, I was like, oh my God, I don't have this. I like, it was the first time in my life that I was like, this is bigger than me. I don't, I think this is where my story ends. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. And I looked, I was like 42 years old. My story ends right here. And I took inventory of all the things I was really proud of. But I also took inventory of all the things that I'd left on the table, the things that I'd left undone. You know, whether like for television, I was like, I always wanted to be in TV. Why did I never do that? And I realized I talked myself out of so much because I cared so much about the weight of other people's opinions and so much fear and self-doubt. Like I never thought I was tall enough. I was not short enough. I wasn't smart enough. And I was always never enough. And I remember making a vow. I'm like, if I get to the other side of this, get the other side of this crime scene, I will never play small again. I will never let the voices of fear, self-doubt, or the weight of other people's opinions dictate how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to leave it all out on the field. I'm leaving this world on damn empty. I'm never playing small again. And when I did get to the other side of cancer, I was like, all right, Babs, you're a woman of your word. What does it mean? Like, where are you going with this? And I was like, I'm leaving it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go any further, I got to go back for a minute. So when you're running through the relationship situation and that was going into it too, was it a situation that like some divorces, like you're trying to hold on to, was it a thing like you were just, you were done with it too? Or was it something that you were trying to still work that out and figure that out? Or like, oh, what was going Sarah, on with that? I went from chemotherapy to marriage therapy. You okay, know, so you guys were trying to work it out too while you were going through that. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, I didn't know if it was um, like, I didn't know if it was like, you know, again, I have no idea. So don't, you know, take offense to this, but no. he, you know, he did something and or whatever. And you're just like, no, I'm done. I'm done. And you were going through it. Or if you were trying to work, so you were going to therapy. You know what the good part about that part of my story that I don't share a lot is prior to my marriage imploding and the blaze of glory that it did, I would be very judgmental of other people. 
And I'd be like, if that happened to me, I would walk right out the front door. And I want to like, I want even people that are listening to hear how sanct- what a sanctimonious asshole I was. Because I was like, oh my God, I would never tolerate that. And I would never la 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 la. And unless you walk a mile in somebody's shoes, withhold judgment and offer up compassion and understanding that you have no idea until you actually walk anybody's walk. And this whole experience has made me a better person because when my marriage did implode, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I have three kids. Like I don't get to grab my kids and run out the door, like gone with the wind and scarlet, like some sort of dramatic exit. And everyone's like applauding me as I'm like standing in my power, whatever bullshit. I, I didn't, I didn't have that because I had my three kids and I had a friend say this to me, C-Rock. They were like, if that ever happened to me, I have too much self-respect to do what you're doing. And it stabbed me in the heart. Now she later re- redacted that because I think she saw that it hurt my feelings. And she, I also said very quickly and kindly, I said, I have three children. I don't, I don't get to do, I don't get to sabotage their life in a reckless blaze of glory. I have to really, uh, again, it's like you make emotional decisions. You are going to make the, you don't know in that moment, if you're making the right one or the wrong one, it's twofold and it's too polluted to know. So I really, I'm so grateful that I had the sensibility to say, I need to put my kids first and I need to take, I need to assess what I'm doing. And I put in the work, C-Rock, I showed up to personal therapists, couples therapists, chemotherapists. Like I was like, okay, somebody, can we fix this? And eventually it was not fixable for a multitude of other reasons, but my marriage did not fail. I took it as far as I could go with him. And I have three beautiful children. And I'm so grateful that I had the chutzpah and in Yiddish, that means the cajones, the balloons to, to leave and to reinvent myself and to say, I this does not feel, this is, there's like a law of diminishing returns. And I was like, we are now we're actually at a detriment to each other. Yeah. And it's an, I want to live my second, my second act. So I hope that answers. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. Because then as you're going through that, you're trying to work through all that you're going through chemo too. So it's like, it's not that you were just going through chemotherapy and radiation, all this stuff. Did you lose your hair by the way? What? Did you lose your hair by the way? When you were going no, through all that? I lost, I lost my mind, but in uh, chemo for colon cancer, you don't lose your hair. Okay. Um, gotcha. You lose everything else. <laughs> so yeah. Because you were talking about your, your memory and your sharpness. I remember you talking about this before. Done. I had my, that was the worst part. C-Rock. My, I used to fire on all cylinders. Like I'm a good listener and I'm a good, like, and I, I would look at people. I didn't know their names anymore. I couldn't articulate myself anymore. I stopped driving a car because I couldn't at times only because I could not concentrate long enough. You know, I was like, all you know, all over the place. So yeah, my, the neurology from, uh, colon cancer, chemo, the chemo brain is, it's a real thing and it really sucks. (laughs) Yeah. So then, then you got clear of it and you got through that. And then how long did until it came back until your mind came back and you're like, got sharp again? I don't think it's back. <laughs> still, you're still dealing with some of it. So it's kind of funny. I was in the middle. I spoke at 10 X ladies and there's thousands, you know, it's a huge crowd. And right in the middle of it, I'm 
I'm like, I don't remember what I was talking about. Like I lost my train of thought, but that's part of, and, and then I want to, yeah, you brought up something about authenticity earlier, or you triggered something in me about it. But yeah, I just am living out loud, like flaws and all. I'm like, oops, I forgot. Like I brought up something about a plane. And then I was like, why did I bring that up? I was able to recover. I was like, oh, I remember. But that's part of my, that's who I am now. There's this Japanese pottery called called kansugi, which is where if a piece of pottery in in Japanese culture, if it breaks and you, you put it back together and you infuse the cracks with gold. So the pottery is more valuable in its new form with all of its cracks and broken parts than it was ever in its original form. And that is how I feel that we all are. We're actually a a hot, we are a higher expression of ourselves because we can serve humanity better because of the things that we've went through. And just like I was saying about when I find, when my marriage imploded and I looked back on the sanctimonious pre-self that would judge others. It allowed me to have more clarity of mind that do not just, you know what? Suspend judgment of others, suspend it, replace it with a compassionate understanding that everyone's battling something you know nothing about. And that has been one of the key, one of the most powerful transformations for me, because when you judge others, it is strictly a reflection on how you judge yourself. And you are putting up massive blocks of abundance in your face and in your energy path. And when you melt away, just because you're like, I'm no longer going to judge others. I'm going to just, I'm going to replace it with compassion and kindness and a knowingness that I don't know what they're dealing with, man, like things, you know why? Because you, you see everyone as an ally, as opposed to like, they're not good enough or they're too good for me, or they're not uh, like all of a sudden you look yeah. at communities and relationships with an abundance mindset of like, how can we like work together or grow together or just laugh together or whatever. I am such a better person because the universe dished me out something that I, I deserved. Like I, not that I deserved anything, but it's I'm a wake grateful. up call. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, and I am so, I'm, I'm a different person. And I am a, I feel like I'm a better version of me because of all the crap that I went through. So I don't look at anything as like, oh, I'm a victim. <laughs> I'm not a yeah. victim. Well, but Barb, do you think, do you think that um, people realize that they're judgmental? And, no, and, because- and I think it's great that you brought this up in case they're not, and they can become aware and awareness, self-awareness is huge, right? And developing. So I think I say this all the time. And if you, you guys should go to my webinars because I talk about this at my webinars start here. You need to do a checkup from the neck up. How you, that conversation that you have with yourself, it's been said, is the most important conversation that you have each and every single day. But until you actually hear the crap that you running on loop in your head and how it is really sabotaging you, you cannot fix something until you know it's broken. But we, with all good intentions, our caregivers, our loved ones do embed in our subconscious mind bullshit that is so defeatist and unserving and useless. And I hear it all the time when people just get to know me and I I stop them. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, don't your thoughts become things like let's change the narrative and let's make you the victor of your story that the hero, everyone's on a hero's journey. But are you telling it that you realize what kind of hero you are 
Do you realize what you've overcome? Do you realize how fucking amazing you are? Yeah. Like, look what you have overcome and where you're at today. You're, you're a baller. And I think too many times we're not geared to remind ourselves how unbelievable we are. And that, that's, well, that's what I like well, doing is helping. Were you just talking about in know. general or are you talking to me? I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> you said you're a baller. I'm like, oh no, wait, wait. Oh yeah, yeah, I am. I am. No, uh, no, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And and it's it really bothers me. I was talking to my team this morning on our sales call. It really bothers me to see wasted potential or people that don't realize what they have inside of them. And it actually hurts my heart. I was telling a story about when I was growing up, and um, we had a football team, and there was an African American section of town where we lived. And all these kids would like, we, we would play like little league with them when we were smaller. But as we got to high school, none of them played football with us. And they had, oh my gosh, like the athletic ability. Like, and so uh, I was telling the story this morning as a kid, how it used to hurt my heart. I don't know why or where it came from, but I used to, not so that we could win, but I really cared about these kids that could have freaking, I mean, they could have made millions. They could have had their college paid for. And it was like, so I was telling my team about this this morning. And it's not a race thing, but it was, I was just telling a story about these, these particular kids and uh, man, like it really hurts me to see that, you know? And so anyway, getting on to the next Wait, thing with can this. Can I say yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. say this. You cannot bring up a person that doesn't want to be brought up. That is not something that I made up. I read that last week and it is so true. You can't want it more for somebody else than they want it for themselves. And I will say, I was on a clubhouse in a clubhouse room at Angel, one of the top moderators in there made this comment and it landed with me. She goes, she goes, wealthy people, successful people think differently. They talk differently. They say different things. And you don't realize it because you and I have probably put ourselves in environments with very like-minded thinkers and doers and believers. And we have an aversion to negative, negative talk, excuses, 100%. you know, Debbie Downers, yeah. certain people, we just are like, that's going to uh, please get your negative bullshit away from me. I can't even do, don't, it's like, we're, we have an, we have an allergy. We have an yeah. allergy. To Emotions bullshit. are contagious. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're cre-. like, I love when somebody's around me and they're like, I want oceanfront property. I'm like, I do too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's do and, it. Jet. Oh I want a jet. <laughs> yeah. And I want to be around those people of like, they don't, you know, and we do, again, a checkup from the neck up. Are you, if somebody's talking about private aviation, are you like, oh, must be nice. Oh, look at them. They're just bragging again. Or That's the must be nice. We, we call that the must be nice crowd. We, we have a name for that. It's the must, no, must do, be nice yeah. crowd. Yeah. Must be yeah, nice. And it is actually, it is very nice. <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> but a lot of people have this, why don't you transcend jealousy by choosing curiosity? choose to be curious. Be like, all right, tell me more. If you find yourself irritable and bitchy and all the things, why don't you just stop yourself, do that little checkup from the neck up, stop yourself and just say, okay, tell me more hotshot. I want to know how you're going to do it or how you did it or why you did it. I want to know more. And then you're going to, you're opening up yourself to possibly be influenced in a very positive trajectory. But Man, people can be like, yeah. "Oh, must be nice." I'm like, "I ain't got." I had listen. My friend, I had friends that poo pooed all my. Well, yeah, crazy. that's what that's what I want to talk about next. Like, you you went to get like follow your dream, your dream into TV and television, and then there was the messages that you received, and one in particular I remember you talking about. Do you want to tell tell that story? <laughs> so 
So you mean the mean email? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, cause this is what my book's about. Like I, I, I don't get pissed. I just store it in my tank, man. And I like, I just, I'll show you some of a bitch. <laughs> like that's just what right. I think of my, but yeah, tell so, that story. <laughs> this is good because um, I realized that nothing is put in your path to break you unless you let it break you. It is there to build you. So I, I launched my second career in television. I've never been in TV and I had to overcome this one thought like this, this terrible cassette that I had to eject out of my brain because I was like, well, what are people going to think? And what are people going to say? Cause I knew by getting into TV, I had to start at the lowest end Yeah, because I'd never done it. And I, was, I remember saying to myself, oh my God, what are people going to think? But thank God in my breakdown, breakthrough and chemo, I had said, I'm never going to let the weight of other, I do not care what other people are going to say or what they're going to think. It's so empowering. I was like, oh, I don't care. I'd rather be a coffee runner for a 25 year old producer than not know what it's like to be in TV. I would rather, I just, I decided I would rather take a no, this isn't a field for you, then I'll never know. So anyway, so I'm rebuilding my career. I'm, I get I get booked on the Today Show, Inside Edition, Nick Cannon. I'm all over the place. Things are going well. Pandemic hits, right? Wheels fall off for all of us. I have to transition in, like everyone else. Whoa, whoa um, hold on, hold on, hold on. For the time, to the, uh, so I can understand the timeline of this. So back in 2020, yeah. when did you start trying to get on TV? What year was that? Oh, uh, um, like roughly 2017. Um, wait, 20, I uh, diagnosed 2015, chemo 2016, 2017. Okay. So and then, and then what were you doing? What were you doing when you got into TV? Well, I was a stay at home mom. I had launched no, sales no, teams. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like when you got into TV, what were you, what was your role when you got into it? And then when you got on the today oh, show, like what was I, your role? I immediately got into lifestyle and entertainment. Like my, my producer was like, you would be great to do lifestyle and entertainment. I'm like, whatever you need me to do. I'm like, if you need me to and I remember saying this, I'm like, if you need me to go to the bowels of New Jersey and talk about a sewer fire, something, I will do it. <laughs> I showed up with a do whatever it takes mentality. Yeah. And I yeah. learned that in sales of like, I am in it to win it. I will start, I will roll up my sleeves. I will clean bathrooms. I'll fry the fries in the fryer. I am not afraid to start, but I know because I know I'm not, oh, hold on. Sorry. Right. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to be stuck there. And I did put this on silence, but anyway, so I got into lifestyle entertainment and yeah, so that's what, so I was doing that from home. I'm doing like stay at home chutchkeys and whatever through the pandemic. And I'm also going through a divorce. I'm going through a divorce. I'm in a mandatory lockdown by the legal system is like, you are in lockdown with your future ex-husband oh, and your three kids, one roof, mind you, he has an estate down the street with his girlfriend and the baby, oh, her baby. And oh. I, and it was like the worst of the worst. Like, so it was so bad. See rock. I was like, is this a nightmare? Am I actually, but it's not a nightmare because you listen, what you choose to focus on, you choose. Focus on. Yeah, yeah. But look, I can see like when you're going through that, and, and you have a neighborhood and you have the people that like, man, we're in Ocean City here. There's things that happen here like that. And, you know, I've been married 19 years. My wife and I, we, we've been, you know, luckily great marriage, but we've, you know, we've had our ups and downs back in the day. Yeah. Right. And, but for anybody else to, to pay attention to that and care about that, like they should only support you if they really care about you. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like, it was like a, uh, emo not an e-movie, but like a, yeah, like a soap opera, like something like it was, stepped in right into it, like a soap opera uh, drama. Was, but, you know, um, I had a roof over my head. I had clean 
food. I had like a lot I have to be grateful for. But in the middle of this crime scene that I'm dealing with, which we're all dealing with, I'm homeschooling three kids, right? I get this email and I'm trying to like support small businesses and I'm just trying to keep myself relevant while we're all working from home and we're not allowed in the television studios. I'm going through a divorce and all this and I got an email and it was so mean. It's actually so mean that I posted it. I mean, it's been a year and a half or maybe two years, but it's been two years since I got it. But I posted on my Instagram reels with music because it's so bad. But they cut me to the chase. Like they were like, the subject line reads, Barbara, stop embarrassing yourself. Your second act silliness. And it like, it goes to town on what an imbecile I'm making of myself. Like just cuts me. And then C-Rock, the crescendo is that this person clearly knows me because they made mention of a hotel that I had stayed at and how I had gotten there on a private plane. And Uh, nobody knew that. I don't put, I didn't put that at the times years ago that I had, I flew private only. um, (laughs) I don't know. Wait a minute. So you still, you still don't know who it is? No, I don't know who it is. But who do you, who do you think it is? If you had to guess. I actually, I decided not to because that makes everyone a suspect. And oh, that's true. That's true. This is what I've learned. Number one, although I, my feelings were hurt because they called my, self, my second act very silly. And now every time I do something like speak at 10X Ladies, I'm like, how, how silly is my act right now? Yeah, or if yeah. I go on like Nick Cannon, I'm like, I'm just being silly up here, just living my best damn life. Or if I like, <laughs> go on some amazing trip. I'm like, I'm just being silly. Oh, me and my silly, <laughs> silly little plane that I just bought. <laughs> You're a silly trip. <laughs> I love it. No, you know, look, to- I, I've dealt with this stuff too, and I can relate. And when I started my podcast, all my friends, the guys at the golf club, the, the country club, a bunch of them, my best friends, my business partners would make comments and digs right to my face. And, you know, yeah. It, at first it hurts, right? At first it hurts like, you, you believe this? Then I realized it's just a reflection of themselves. And second of all, 100%. if I can harness this energy that's coming here, I can be unstoppable. And then that's what I did. And now, like when I get that, I just know, okay, I need to push more out. I need to push more out. And so, uh, yeah, I've been through that as well. I, but it wasn't necessarily I, anonymous, but it was, it was actually like right to my face, you know? And uh, so I, I, I'm with you. I love it. I love it. I want more I of it. <laughs> I feel more for me in the experience because it doesn't stop is it actually, it's like building a muscle, like in order to have a really good muscle of intestinal fortitude, resilience, perseverance, you have to build those muscles. You can't buy it at Barnes and Noble. And when somebody does something like that to you, it actually, like a muscle is broken down. Like you, we're not impervious to feel having our feelings hurt, but when that muscle builds, it builds back stronger. And what I'm finding is that when something comes at me, like I was in a top 12 list in Clubhouse and it wasn't a nice one. I actually made honorable <laughs> mention. I didn't make the top 12, but it wasn't a nice list to be on. But Grant Cardone was on it and so was Ben Stock. So I was like, all right, at least I'm in good company. And it doesn't- <laughs> I didn't hear about this. What, yeah, what doesn't, what matters is that when it came in, I laughed about it. Whereas I think somebody with lesser, a lesser constitution and less experience in the arena and yeah. getting knocked down would have been really moved off their center because I see people get really jockeyed off their 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 goal because or their ambition because they're like oh my god somebody said this happens and that happened and they're like literally like a turtle on its shell and I'm yeah. like because so much has come at me I am 
really tough. And I didn't, and I'm only tough because I've been through tough times. And so I really transcended. And that email now gives me a lot of laughter and it gives me a lot of like recognition. I would never sit down and pen that to somebody else. That is strictly somebody in a bad place. People in good places do not waste their time stalking people on the internet and then cutting them down and being like, all your friends don't have the heart to tell you that you're embarrassing yourself. I'm like, really? Because friends would actually approach me with constructive feedback. And, 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 and I'll get new friends. Like, like, and you know what? I'm good. <laughs> C-Rock, I like, I look at that. I'm like, I just, I keep going and I, I keep getting knocked down here and there, but I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing. And let me just wrap, put a little bow on this entire conversation. When I was in that, my chemo and I was bumping up against that ninth infusion and I didn't just take inventory of everything I left on the table. I also took inventory of all the things that I had done. I put myself through college. I had built a sales company in my twenties. I had taken over as my brother's legal guardian. I have launched philanthropy initiatives that have given me humanitarian awards. I have done so many things that I thought this is what my kids will know about me. And I was really proud of legacy. Here's what I will take from this. The legacy that I left all hinged on this. I wanted to quit everything that I ever started. I wanted to quit working my way through college. I wanted to quit that sales company. I wanted to quit everything I've ever done that I was really, really proud of. And the reason I didn't quit is if I quit, I kept saying, I'll never be able to take care of my brother, Stephen. I will never be able to provide for him if I don't figure this shit out. And in that moment, I said, thank God I was always taking care of Stephen because I would have quit everything. But in that very same thought, I was like, oh my God, it was never me taking care of Stephen. It was always Stephen who took care of me. See, Stephen gave me rise to the greatest gifts we can all be given. And that's the gift of purpose. He gave me no quit, no back door. He gave me figure it out and get it done. And when I saw that in its highest form, I said, I will never play small again. I will never let the voices of fear, self-doubt, or the weight of other people's opinions stop me from living out my purpose, my calling, my servitude on every stage and every way that I can. And when that email came in, I had to be reminded, why do I put myself out there? Why do I keep doing this? I don't have to work. I don't have to work, C-Rock. Everyone knows this, but I have work to do. And I am a woman of my word. And when I say I'm going big, I go big. And ultimately, as my profile escalates and I get to keep moving the needle, I can use my voice to speak for those who can't speak for themselves and help others see that they are a massive purpose and massive potential. And I am unstoppable. So if you ask me what I'm made of, that's what I'm made of. Love it. I love it. So look, to wind this down, what's the vision for the future? World domination. I'm looking to grow a multi-million dollar Barbara Majeski brand that is all about helping others get out of their own way, live their best damn life, not wait till they're confronted with their own mortality and be a real estate mogul and leave a true legacy of 
living life with purpose, style, and adventure. Love it. Love it. What can the audience get engaged with you uh, on? What do you have going on right now? Where can they reach you? It's Barbara Majeski. You can find, just Google me. I'm all over the place. But most importantly, I'm launching a summer series right now and I am helping people stay committed to their goals. I'm tired of the collective of unfinished business. I am showing people through my coaching program that you can finish what you start by breaking things down to non-negotiables. It is a limited series. It's on right now. And I am telling you, C-Rock, it is on fire. So if anybody's interested, they can go and slide into my DMs, DM me summer, because it's all about what we do now predicates how we're going into summer. And it is beast mode. I'm awesome. And it's, we're, we're killing it. Do you have a link or just DM you on Instagram? It's Barbara Majeski backslash summer. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys, if you need it and you can't find her, just hit me up. I'll make sure we find Barb. (laughs) Because uh, I know how to, I, I'm seeing her every day on Clubhouse and talking to her every day, pretty much. And I love Clubhouse. Uh, you know that that's the funny thing too. It's like we don't realize this, but where else have we ever been besides a job and our families where we hang out with the same people every single day? It's just crazy, you know. Or nighttime, or, you know, the different types of rooms. It's just wild. But listen, Barb, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And you're you're always transparent and vulnerable to help other people. And I know from what you just said, I know we'll be working together on some kind of project, something in the future. And that's what I'm, I'm very good at. I'm very good at seeing the future. And uh, I'll talk to you more about that as we get offline. So thank you very much for being here, Barb. And thank you all, the audience, for being here, supporting the What Are You Made Of podcast, your voice, C-Rock, and everything that I'm into. Keep coming back. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Or if you'd like to watch these, you can go to YouTube at Mike C-Rock, Scirocco. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike crock.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me